Welcome to What's Eric Eating? Culture Map's weekly look at all things Houston bars and restaurants. I'm your host, Culture Map food editor Eric Sandler. I have Doubt Elshani and Jeff Hunt from the Alba Craft Kitchen coming up in a little bit. But first, I'm joined by my co-host this week. She's the market manager for Liquid Alchemist, a craft syrup company. And she has also consulted on the beverage programs for a number of successful Houston bars and restaurants. Linda Salinas, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me. Thanks for doing this. Let us dive right into the news of the week. Topic number one, big news on Conservatory Galleria, the food hall that is coming to 5353 West Alabama, coincidentally the home of Gal Media and therefore Culture Map. It has new operators. They are Rovine Abante and Chase Lavulo, who are a couple of nightclub uh, nightlife types who partnered up. Uh, they were part of the group that opened Poor Behavior. They are no longer affiliated with that particular concept, but they are teaming up to open up a food hall, uh, kind of in a franchise model from Company of Nomads who operated the conservatory downtown and, of course, currently operates both Bravery Chef Hall and Railway Heights Market. It's a bit of a mouthful, I know. But Linda, let me throw it to you. What do you think? Is the Galleria area ripe for a new food hall? I don't know. You know, it's like I'm I'm a little wary of all of these food halls and jamming all these like great vendors all in, in, in one. I mean, can is is there enough? You know, is there enough business for all of them? You know, and ultimately who ends up who ends up getting cut short? I was in Dallas last week and I walked in on a, on a Tuesday or Wednesday night and, uh, at a, at a, at a chef hall, food hall and walked in at eight 30 and everybody was either shutting down because they didn't have enough business or there wasn't any parking on the street and people were like just going to other places. So I don't know. I mean, these are questions that I have, like as a consumer, where are we going to park? How are we driving these businesses? And I mean, I think these are these are valid questions as a as a fellow foodie. No, I, I think you're onto something. I, I will say, in terms of parking, it's actually really ideal because this building has a rooftop parking deck, mm-hmm. like on the second floor. That uh, you know, as an employee who occasionally works in that building, I am aware of. But if you just drive past it on the street, you may not notice. So I think. And then, of course, they have all the spots in front of the building that anyone who's been to either like Tom and Tom's or Hidden Omakase has utilized. So I think from that perspective, they're in pretty good shape. I guess it's I, I guess it's just interesting to me because I, I redid a I redid the Nephis program uh, a couple of years ago in Uptown. And as you well know, and you've been there a couple of times, we've actually been there together they have a, a few parking spots up front, but like, I don't know how many people, the comment was, they don't have any parking. Well, there's a big old, you know, garage next to it and it's free, but people still w- won't go in there. So I think like as Houstonians, we're, we're people of convenience. So it's always one of those things where you're looking at something and you can't just immediately see it. People are like, I'm going on to the next thing. Cause we're, we're food people and we like convenience. So I just think it's, it's worth taking up, worth as operators making that a very, how can I put this? A very 
very a priority. Yeah, a priority. Exactly. I'm sorry. Well, I will say, you know, I've been to Railway Heights Market now a couple of times, and that, of course, has a huge parking lot right next to the building that you can see, and they've been very busy uh, by all accounts, especially on the weekends. And I think so. I do think that there's something to be said for that, but I also think that there's a real opportunity here because, you know, there's uh, food hall dining is relatively more affordable than a sit-down restaurant, or at least it can be. And, you know, it's, it's a little more sophisticated than kind of a mall food court. So there's an opportunity there and, and they want to, they want to really facilitate, you know, third-party delivery. And of course you have all these neighborhoods, Galleria, Tanglewood, Briar Grove, you know, that, that might be really amenable to that. And, and also just, you know, selfishly as someone who uh, wants to have a compelling lunch option in the office building I work in, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the food hall just because it'll make my life a little personally a little better. All right. Let's see what happens. What, what is it? What is this guy open? About six months is the prediction. Oh my gosh. Six months. Anything specific you want to see? Like, no, you know, how you know how I am about like, don't tell me something's going to open in six months. Cause that generally means it's nine to 12. <laughs> All right. Well, on that note, we will move on to topic number two. Gina and Joseph Stasich are opening Bodega Bel Air, a new wine shop with CBD products, other beverages, home goods, artisan foods, all, all of the things. Linda, let me, let me throw it to you. What do you think? Is this uh, Bel Air is kind of up and coming. This, this seems like a, a good fit. So Bodega to me, sound like Bodega generally is like grab and go. Are we talking about Heights Mercantile kind of, you know, stuff. Are we talking Cole Linscombe kind of stuff? Uh, are we snacking? I mean, you got to give me more than that. Well, all right. Well, there's no dine-in, right? It's it's okay. definitely a to-go kind of setup. What's that place in the Heights that's like the wine shop with the cool, uh, that does like cool natural wines and... Oh, Heights Grocer. Yeah, I think it's a little like that. Okay. All right. Well, we'll see what we'll see what they got. I think there's always room. There's I think there's always room for more wine stuff. Um, we have tons of cocktail places. We've got that non-alcoholic shop, Sipple and and Rice Village. There's a lot of I think that there's there's always great options because as much as I love being able to pop into any grocery store, I like I like curated selections as far as wine is concerned. So um, we'll just see what. See what see what other delicious snackerage they have there too. Yeah, no, I I agree. I I think kind of the point is that you know people are going to you know restaurants like Theodore Rex or Nancy Sussel or you know whatever they're going to wine bars and they're they're drinking these wines and then they you know they go to the big box wine stores or grocery stores in the neighborhood and they can't buy any of it. And so I, I do think this idea of these kind of boutique wine shops makes a lot of sense, especially in these neighborhoods that, that don't have the same breadth of resources that, you know, you do in Montrose of the Heights. Like, I, I think it just makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, 100%. And, uh, you know, I think, you know, people may recognize Joseph Stasich because he's been a chef around town at a whole bunch of places. He was at Carbach Brewing a million years ago. He opened... Eloise Nichols. Uh, more recently, he's been at 
uh, Indianola. So, you know, someone with a lot of experience in food and beverage who I think, you know, has a perspective and his wife's very immersed in the art world. And, and so they're going to have, you know, artisan goods and some even some gallery style displays. I think that's all very interesting to me. Cool. Any other thoughts? No, we'll, we'll check it out when it, when it opens up. Yeah, it opens this week. So, yeah, we'll definitely have to go and, you know, give them a high five and then we'll go uh, we'll go get uh, a delicious bagel sandwich at New York Eatery. Oh, praise emoji. Yes. <laughs> and then I did just want to take a note of a couple of recent openings. We'll talk about them in in more depth as restaurants of the week uh, soon, I think. But let's start with Idle Hands. This is kind of a tropical inspired rooftop bar. It takes the old Rosemont space next to Uchi. Uh, it's coming from Austin, where they have a location on Rainy Street. Um, Linda, I, I don't know if you've been, you, you go to Austin quite a bit. I don't know if you've ever been to Idle Hands or, or if you have any thoughts about it. I haven't, I haven't been in Idle, to Idle Hands, but it is, it is, is it the, is it the, it's not the same people as the Rosemont. No, the it's, it's, they're from, no, it's a, it's a group from Austin. It's a great, okay. It is a group from Austin. Um, no, I haven't. And you know what, in all honesty, I, I was, I was kind of poking around and seeing what sort of cocktails they have and what their what their vibe is but i didn't really get to i didn't really you know really get to take a look at it because there wasn't much on instagram about them other than what it kind of looks like so it's kind of hard to to peg what the drinks what the cocktails are other than it being saying that it's caribbean and and kind of tropical but i'm like give me more what do the drinks look like you know so um have you gotten to go check it out or? I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. I, I mean, I, when I talked to one of the owners, he said one of the things is that they, they, they have that kind of craft ethos, right? Like good spirits, you know, nice glassware, good ice, all that kind of stuff. But it's set up for volume, right? They don't, they don't want you to have to stand around for 10 minutes waiting, waiting for you to mix a drink, which, you know, I think that that makes a lot of sense, especially in that kind of patio rooftop environment. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, we're, we're losing a lot of stuff in that, um, in that neighborhood right now. You know, we're going to be losing, you know, Hay Merchant, Georgia James, a couple of other, of other spots. So, I mean, I think it's, I think it's, we're welcome to have, an, I'd love to have another place to go and have cocktails up and down like Westheimer. Um, I think we, you know, we lost a couple of other spots around the way. I mean, I'd like to see a, a, a Sunday fun day, another Sunday fun day place, you know, crack open up. And so hopefully we'll get to see a little bit more from them in the next coming weeks. Right. They do have plans to add brunch. And so I think you will kind of get that Sunday, or at least they, they would like to be seen as that kind of Sunday fun day vibe. Yeah. But yeah, I think, I think that would be a welcome. I agree. That would be a welcome addition to the neighborhood. Yeah, absolutely. All right. And then just briefly, I want to touch on J Bar M. This is the new barbecue restaurant that opened in Edo on Leland Street. I've gotten to eat there just a couple of times, is that like once before they opened and, and once on the first day. And I'm I'm not we'll we'll dive into we'll dive into the, the dining experience uh in a week or two, I think. But but for now, I just want to talk about the scale of this thing because there really isn't a barbecue restaurant quite like it uh in the sense that it's just got this huge like almost 200 seat interior uh a massive patio with a stage 
full beer wine cocktail program and like really good a really good pedigree uh for the barbecue courtesy of uh willow villarreal and his fiance uh jacqueline barella they had willow's texas barbecue the food truck that got a lot of praise and and it's just this massive smoke room with four giant offset smokers and a couple of hog cookers i mean look they're literally ambition oh. like physical scale no i mean the building is great the patio is great you know the the boys from johnny's goldbrick and winnie's are gonna are going to be doing a few cocktails for them they already have i peeked in there they've got a really great bourbon selection the beers are great They've only been like softly opening in the next couple of days and they're already selling out. Willow always makes really great stuff. So I'm really excited to see what they've got going on there. I think it used to be the only great barbecue we used to get was, you know, you'd have to drive all the way to Kellen's. And so that was the only barbecue that I, I would eat. I would eat around Houston. And then Truth came, you know, and I love those guys too, but there's no Bettys. I mean, not like other beverages. You know what I mean? And so right, they have beer and wine. Yeah, 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 yeah. But you know, you know what I'm saying. Right. And it's lunch and it's lunch only. And look, yeah. I mean, I Truth is the best barbecue restaurant in Houston, in my opinion. So I've got no I've got no beef with those guys. But this place, you know, JBRM wants to be open for dinner. JBRM wants to have a full cocktail program. Yeah. You know, it's gonna be this like, you know, we're sitting, we're sitting on the patio just looking around going. You know, when this place really gets going, game watching parties, college football, professional football, college basketball, Astros playoffs. No, but <laughs> but but it's close to the stadium. Like you could pregame there. Like there's yeah. a lot. It it just feels like a real opportunity. Well, and not only that, but you've got a you've got someone at the helm. You know, Edgar Gomez, which is like one of the most beloved, like. GM's a you know hospitality professional that really comes with like real care for not only people but like staff. Like I'm just I'm really excited to see what they've got going on. I mean the the culture there's going to be great. We've got a couple of other friends working there, but yeah, I mean completely gung ho about this one. All right, Linda, I'm going to say that does it for the news of the week. We'll be right back with our restaurants of the week. Stick around. Today's show is sponsored by Balconis Distilling. Balconis makes grain-to-glass whiskeys at their distillery in Waco. I could talk about all the awards they've won or that they're one of the pioneers of the growing American single malt movement. Instead, I want to talk about flavor, specifically of their flagship Texas One single malt. Pour a dram and you'll get aromas of toffee and overripe fruit. Take a sip and savor the silky texture and flavors like lightly toasted bread with butter and marmalade. The finish offers more of those coffee toffee notes with wood flavors that round it all out. Personally, I drink my whiskey neat, but you're welcome to try it with a little water or even in any classic whiskey cocktail. Look for Balconis in stores, bars, and restaurants across Texas. Try it. I think you'll like it. Linda, for our restaurants of the week, I want to talk to you about Chivos. This is the new Mexican restaurant in the former Calle Onze space on 11th Street. 
Uh, Chef Thomas Billy comes there from his well-regarded Belly of the Beast. I had Thomas on the podcast uh, a while back to talk about his background and sort of his perspective. But, uh, well, let me, let me just be blunt. Um, they pitched this as a Mexican-American restaurant, which is distinct from either Tex-Mex or like interior Mexican food. You are Mexican-American. So let me just ask you. What did you think? I mean, is this capturing, like, did this feel familiar to you? Um, I mean, American is very, American, as you very well know, is a big old melting pot of stuff. But no, I mean, I really like, I really liked what we had. Uh, I liked what we had. It's definitely not Tex-Mex. And I think that the fact that they've, that they have said that from the jump is, is, is great. You can get queso and queso flamiato and you know your cheese enchiladas anywhere else but i like i like what they're i like where they're moving those freaking pozole dumplings i mean yeah i i I like the i like i like the notes that kick a little kick a little bit you know to to mexico but then almost bringing all the way right back to what we what we're kind of like what we love and adore their tortillas with uh, warm butter and the roe. It reminds me of the Nancy's cake, like Mexican Nancy's cake. They've got a lot of really good ingredients and ingredient use um, in that kitchen. So. Yeah, I I think that's right. I think this idea that you're going to basically take some like Mexican ingredients or, or Mexican flavors and then, kind of be inspired by you know just the other the other cuisines that you've encountered right like you know you talked about those pozole dumplings they're basically like a riff on Sichuan chili wontons you know or right I mean your flour tortillas with the truffle butter and salmon you're right it's like a Mexican uh Nancy cake or the you know he's doing a, a chicken it's like kind of got a Peruvian thing going on. So just some very cool ideas, like really stretching the the boundaries of what we consider to be Mexican food. And and I'm here for it. Well, and I mean, they're also, he's also doing some really great mole. And the bar's doing some really good cocktails too. Like I already, since we've been there, I've already seen them push out a couple of other, a, a couple of other drinks. I mean, I think you and I had a series of, of cocktails, but uh, just e- even just online, like Leslie, Leslie comes from a couple of different spots within the company and I like her flavors. I like her enthusiasm. We had a little, like a spicy mezcal and tequila or cocktail with a little, little canastita, which is a little, you know, a little basket of, of, um, of spicy peanuts on the side, you know, um, we had a couple of other things. So I think they're, they're, they're set up very well for, for really good things in the Heights. And the fact that that dang patio just opened and we're getting some of the best weather in Texas, you know, in the last couple of weeks. So, right. No, we should say, right. This is part of um, night moves hospitality. So that's trash Panda um, Heights house hotel space cowboy. So that's Greg Perez, who was at monkey's tail for a long time. And, and it, the focus is really on like making really great drinks. And so this is, this is like way more of a restaurant, right? Trash Panda and Space Cowboy very much bars with food, but this is very much a restaurant that also has a great cocktail program. And, you know, for Thomas, I think 
you know, being up in spring, he was kind of on his own. Now he has the support of a restaurant group and some people with some more experience. And I, I'm with you. I think the, the union of the two perspectives is uh, very exciting. Yeah, absolutely. Can't wait to see what they've got going on. All right. And then just briefly, I want to talk about Fitzcarraldo. Uh, I'm a little bit tardy on this because it opened back in May. Uh, it is a, I'm going to say, sort of a tropical patio bar with some sort of Thai food uh, from the owners of Cantina Barba. Linda, I, I tried a few things. I tried the chicken wings. I tried uh, the egg rolls. I tried a couple others. I had a, a very delicious uh, highball. I had a, one of the house cocktails. I, I just think this is a fun spot to hang out at. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm with you. Um, I like that it's uh, kind of tucked in a neighborhood that hasn't blown up. I mean, I've, I've actually I've actually ridden my bike there and had a couple of drinks. You know, I can walk in in like shorts and in, in a, on, on a bike. I mean, I've been there for some mezcal, you know, cocktails. Um, their director or their the owners come from from a, a really great a cocktail background. So I always know whenever they open something, the drinks are thoughtful. The cocktails aren't fussy, but there's always little small details, you know, that I think that make a really big difference in opening up even just a small bar. You know, they have, uh, they have some really good cool vermouths and some cocktails. They have good mezcal, you know, they, they've, they've, they have, they have good chops, but they're not like screaming at you that you have to drink this. You know what I mean? So, yeah, I mean, I was even scanning the back bar. They have like some kind of cool, slightly harder to find Japanese whiskeys. Yeah. You know, no, like it's a, it's a really thoughtful uh, drink program. Yeah, no. And I mean, and that's the thing is I think that they, they're very good at making things very easy easy for anyone to come in. They don't need to have a fancy mustache and suspenders at the bar telling you what to drink. Like, you know what I mean? Like if you want to drink a ranch water or just a margarita or an agua fresca, awesome. If you want to get a little weirder and nerdier and you want to have like a, some sort of Negroni, they're perfectly capable of it. And the vibe is cool. They'll, uh, they occasionally will have like some cool DJs, um, on the weekends, but yeah, it's like a little, you know, very, it reminds me of being like at a bar in Tulum, you know what I mean? Like just real chill. Yeah. It's, it's a little bit, it's got a little bit of that kind of like slightly tropical, like Boheme patio vibe. Yeah. Um, you know, it's a little more like casual outdoor than someplace like Night Shift, which is also, you know, bar forward and has good food. It's it's just, it's got its own little niche. And I, you know, I met a friend for drinks there. We had a nice time and I just figured it was worth sort of recognizing because like I said, it's been open for a little while and we haven't really, uh, haven't really talked about it. Yeah. All right, Linda, I'm going to say that does it for the restaurants of the week. Thank you very much. All right. We'll talk to you soon. I will be right back with Doubt Elshani and Jeff Hunt. I'm joined this week by the owner and the chef from the Alba Craft Kitchen and Cocktails, newly opened in Garden Oaks, 
Gentlemen, let me introduce you separately so people can hear your voices. Doubt Elshani, welcome to the show. How are you? Hey, great to be here. Thank you for having me. Chef Jeff Hunt, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Eric. Doubt, let me start with you because I've known you, you know, for a long time, going back to your time with the Salt and Pepper Group, and you, yeah, the bar you opened uh, right. You opened Buffalo Bayou Brewing Company, and then you. You jumped into underground food hall. So so maybe just start at the beginning and tell me how you got interested in the world of bars and restaurants. <laughs> how does anyone get in the world of bar and restaurants? <laughs> it's uh, No, it's just an interesting story. I have a, uh, a much different past life, as, uh, as you would go- say, I guess. But um, yeah, uh, now it's been. 12, 13, going on 13 years. And, uh, you know, it, it all started back in the day when we were kind of uh, bringing everything together in Midtown, um, helped out there, uh, and then returned over to school. And once I got back to Houston, uh, things kind of changed a bit for me. And rather than being bored, I started helping out and we went in and opened the good old crisp. Uh, in the Heights uh, back in 2012. Yeah, 2011, 2012. So yeah, just uh, took it from there on. And and then uh, we started a new group, the Salt and Pepper Group thereafter, and uh, kind of conceptualized uh, uh, two different worlds of bars and restaurants and came up with a uh, sports bar and grill type of deal with uh, our very first place over in... uh, Sudamont with a, a, a beer market company. Yeah, Jeff, let me let me circle back with you because I know you had a career in, uh, in Benji's and local foods. So maybe just talk about how you got into the business and, and kind of what your background was before you you came to Dialba. Uh, so my background originally was uh, I, I was going to U of H for uh, chemistry. I wanted to be a chemist and then I started working. Actually, first job I had was with uh, Monica Pope at Boulevard Bistro and was working for her, left there, went over to open Sophia, uh, worked for the Four Seasons for a little while, um, then worked for uh, Divino Italian Restaurant for many, many years, uh, ultimately being the executive chef there. And then I kind of took a sabbatical trying to move back uh, to uh, Los Angeles, where I'm originally from, my family's from. And that was during the recession. And that didn't pan out too well. So I came back here. Uh, Dylan Murrah was uh, always chef partner at, at Benji's and Local. Uh, it's always been a really good friend of mine and uh, gave him a shout and was like, yo, you know, what's going on here in Houston? He goes, well, actually, we need a sous chef. And uh, it started from there. Uh, was sous chef at Benji's, then the chef de cuisine, then the executive chef. Um, then moved on to uh, open local foods downtown and uh, work at a few of the uh, other concepts that we had. So, so that's the short and sweet version. All right, Dal, let me let me circle back to you now. You you were interested kind of in the building. You were nervous about COVID, but ultimately you obviously you signed the lease and you. Right. conceived of this restaurant so so what what sort of convinced you what overcame your reluctance well there was still a reluctance even after i signed the lease what uh really kind of stamped it and 
uh, gave me the confidence to move on and forward and, uh, you know, make uh, additional investments, of course, was that I kept looking around and the area and the demographics in the area. It was, it, it is me, you know, it's the 35 to 50 demographics, dual professional incomes. They've got, they've got a couple of pooches, a uh, toddler, baby or so, and uh, they want a little more room. And, um, you know, I modeled the entire concept after something that I see myself and my peers and everyone else uh, uh, enjoying. And one of those really was having a modern uh, themed restaurant, uh, full service, of course, coming out of COVID, but be able to provide an elevated uh, cuisine and something that's healthy, something that, you know, you can revisit quite a few times a week. where you dine and you you don't feel full and you want to drink a little more and, or you have lunch here with us. Um, but, you know, these were my, uh, the conceptualization and the, the whole planning and everything else. And at the same time, I'm, I'm you know, I'm talking to so many different uh, local chefs and uh, chef celebrity and whatnot. And of course they were reluctant. And then by chance I met um, Jeff and he, you know, just through a mutual friend. We spoke a few more times and then we uh, kept uh, meeting and we uh, said, hey, why don't we do this on a consultant type basis? And the reluctance really did continue on after that. Just we didn't know um, what was coming in the summer and what was coming back in fall and winter of 2021. So, um, you know, the concept still at that time was based the projections and everything were based on uh, running a restaurant but with uh, limited capacity as well as uh, not fully chef driven kitchen jeff let me let me turn back to you right because doubt has this vision of an accessible neighborhood restaurant it's not in his words chef driven but is still of quality so, so given that framework, which in some ways I would say, you know, kind of defines maybe, maybe what Benji's has been about for many years or, or certainly was about, or, you know, before it, uh, it morphed into local foods, but how did you kind of pull that menu together? Like working within that framework? So one of the things <laughs> I think, um, well, first off going back to COVID, I think one of the first things I asked out when we first sat down was why do you want to open a restaurant right now? <laughs> you know, like that was, that was literally the, the first day, the first, first question I had. And his response was, why not? And I said, Oh, okay. I can, I can live with that. And, um, you know, uh, we had both been looking at that Liberty space, uh, separately without knowing each other. Um, you know, I've lived here in garden Oaks for about five, six years. Uh, my wife and I, and, um, I'd just always been interested in that. So once we kind of linked up, it gave me a good idea of interjecting, I guess, a piece of myself and what I felt like uh, the neighborhood might want or need based on what I had um, seen uh, from commentary from my neighbors and from my peers. Um, And then from where Benji's was a truly... Uh, chef-driven restaurant, moving to the local side, local food side of things, where it's much more um, fast, casual, uh, more dubbed down, but um, 
but also very uh, all minute cooking um, and fresh ingredients, local ingredients, things like that, made me, gave me the chance to be able to kind of take what I had learned at Benji's, uh, Divino, and, and other fine dining places, and then look at what uh, D'Alba could be uh, with uh, a more um, casual environment, but also being full service. Um, and there were some other things that happened, you know, within, uh, that time period. And, and, you know, it wasn't just COVID it was, you know, being understaffed and, uh, it's just, uh, you know, been trying to do uh, everything we can to, to get the restaurant where we want it to be. Um, and then as that happened and we saw the full potential of what it, what it had become already. Uh, made the decision to come on board uh, 100% with uh, with uh, D'Alba. Yeah, so, Dot, I mean, what was it like working with Jeff? I mean, how did that um, – Jeff comes up with the – Jeff's, and- Jeff's uh, well, present, really, and, uh, you know, of course, he does have a sense of humor, but he doesn't show as often. And um, – <laughs> <laughs> So, you, you know, as we're, we're going through the menu and just uh, kind of talking about the menu and the initial uh, uh, conversations, we were both looking at the same direction of uh, what it should be and the, uh, where we're heading and um, uh, dietary restrictions, of course, and everything else in between. And then um, there, was, there was one night when we said, OK, so uh, this dish, I think it, it would be like a bowl not too big, not too small, but, um, you know, just an irregular bowl, but it still looks modern. And then we text pictures later on that evening to each other and we're texting the same exact bowl almost. And we're like, this is what we're doing. And I, I don't know, I think uh, from that um, from that moment on, it was just like, all right, we're, we're in, like we're, we're trusting each other. There's a uh, next level of trust as far as we both are sharing the same vision. Um, where we want to be and how this place is going to look. So when I first encountered you, you were a nightclub guy, you were a bar guy, (laughs) right? You know, I mean, beer market, beer market has food, but I wouldn't really call it a restaurant. No. Um, So what's it like, not just, not just a restaurant, you know, getting, moving from bars to restaurants, but also, you know, families with children, you know, this is, this is a whole new clientele for you. What's that been like for you as an operator kind of adjusting to, to their needs and their priorities. That's a great question. I mean, that that's uh, I'm I'm in that zone. I can't do uh, I can't do actual bars. I can't do nightclubs anymore. That's a, a little bit past me. So I, I, I can't handle it anymore. Um, but yeah, being in this uh, in the surroundings, being in this zone. Honestly, once I moved in here, I had tons of friends just pop up. Oh my God, we live on 42nd or, Oh, uh, we're just down the street from you. And everyone has shifted up here just because of the surroundings. Um, and you know, the family oriented neighborhood that it is, and it has become up here. Um, I knew what I was getting into. That's, um, you know, just uh, from visiting all our neighbors over here on Wakefield, uh, street, but, um, I also saw stability and that's, you know, the longevity of providing that perfect uh, atmosphere for uh, everyone around here. So the adjustment is going quite well. I mean, I I don't, I don't have to um, 
I don't, I'm, I'm not up till three, four in the morning or uh, waiting for, you know, managers and staff to close down till three, four in the morning or anything like that. And uh, uh, yeah, we're open for lunch. We have a, uh, a more of a normalcy uh, in uh, our schedules, daily schedules. Yeah, um, Jeff, this seems like a good time to sort of circle back to you because you initially came on as a consultant. Now you're the executive chef. You've decided to stick around. What what made you decide to make that switch to to move on from local foods and to commit to Diaba? Just to clarify, Jeff came on as the executive chef and partner. So Jeff is going to be uh, uh, one of the operating partners with uh, Dialba. Sorry, continue, Jeff. No, no, no. I mean, that was something I was going to bring up because that's a, I mean, that's, that is part of the reason why is becoming, you know, after seeing, uh, after working with, with Benji and Dylan for so long that have been uh, amazing operators and uh, amazing people to work for, uh, I just kind of felt like I've, I've kind of reached a, a ceiling, so to speak there, uh, based on uh, my knowledge of uh, where they were going and what they were doing. And um, the opportunity to come on board uh, with Piranha Hospitality um, as a chef partner uh, was a great opportunity. And what what better what better place to do that than than your own backyard? Um, you know, I'm I'm able to. I think that's what really excited me the most is that um, I wanted to inject myself. Um, into in my food in the neighborhood. And though super kid trying to be a neighborhood restaurant, um, I think that we can be much more than that uh, for a lot of people. And uh, I'm just I'm very excited to see what what that can become. Uh, so in in a sense of the word, uh, the idea of partnering up with doubt after the amount of time that we spent together and us kind of really getting to know each other and, and the direction of, of kind of, I'd say what we, we both want uh, out of this business and, and possible um, things in the future. Um, it just seemed very natural. And um, I really just wanted to take advantage of that. And I'm super stoked to see uh, what we can do. Well, say a little more about that. Cause you said you, you think that it can become more than a neighborhood restaurant. Like what are your, what are your ambitions? Well, I think, uh, you know, number one, I'd like to see the menu rotate on a, uh, on a bigger, bigger spread. Uh, obviously brunch, uh, we haven't even got into yet just because of, uh, some staffing and, and the volume that doubt spoke about. Um, we've got a lot of people asking for it and it's, it's in the works. In fact, uh, the beginning of December, uh, we're going to start, um, serving brunch. Uh, then also working on a lunch menu. Uh, and the excitement for me there is being able to rotate items, um, see what see what we can be, see, you know, um, how, maybe how fancy um, it can be or how not fancy it can be. Um, I think there's just, there's a whole lot of wiggle room um, to experiment. And uh, uh, to develop the menu uh, there at Dialba. Yeah, Dot. Let me let me bring you back into this. I mean, you as you said, you've been very successful from day one. How are you managing staffing shortages and you know even difficulties getting products sometimes? I mean, what's it? 
What's it been like? Oh my God. It, it, you know, if you have the business and the volume that you projected, uh, you may be able to kind of uh, work around it because you know your expectations. But uh, with this concept, I mean, since day one, we didn't uh, announce our opening or anything. And it, we, we just got hit very, very hard. But, um, you know, I think the staff that we did initially get and we do have, um, we have a 95% remit, you know, the uh, uh, rate of uh, retaining the initial staff. And, you know, they've been very... Uh, very helpful in recruiting others. I mean, they saw the potential, they saw what, what is happening here and they became the recruiters and uh, brought on other uh, uh, quality staff members as well. Uh, just to put it in perspective, I mean, uh, on our really uh, opening week, uh, we were carrying on um, quite a bit of uh, payroll for two, three weeks there while training and whatnot. So, and uh, we were still not up to par on labor. So, we um, we made the decision just to open it up and not announce it and, um, you know, just at least get some revenue and not have the staff discouraged or potentially lose them altogether. So and we did. And, uh, you know, it's been it's been absolutely crazy since day one. Uh, and the staff that we currently um, have were almost all of them were recruited by other staff members that uh, were brought in. Um, you know, even to this day, we're still quite a bit of us. We're, we're you know, we're doing our doubles. We're doing, uh, we're putting in quite a few hours, but, and uh, the sh staffing shortages are not ending or um, getting any better. You know, it's Well, been, but that's a good sign that your staff is, is helping you recruit additional they have been. employees, yeah. right? It means that they like the working environment are happy with the amount of money they're making, all that kind of stuff. The culture, uh, you know, that yeah, speaks well. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, and they, they, they truly have. I mean, uh, from back of house, front of house, and everyone, uh, everyone else in between. Uh, you, you know, they've been the biggest recruiters for um, uh, everyone else. And then, of course, the uh, supply chain. I mean, you keep hearing about the supply chain, supply chain, and a lot of people don't um, quite understand it. But um, you know, <laughs> this whole thing was us not being able to spend the extra money where we wanted from last year and earlier this year. And, uh, you, you know, a lot of people what did what they did and uh, got online and ordered a bunch of stuff and, uh, you know, consumable products and consumer goods. And now those things have to be delivered. So, I mean, are we adapting to it? Absolutely, we have to. Uh, what does that mean? Are we doing a lot more automation? Possibly. I don't know. Um, we'll see where we are in two um, in two years, three years down the road. Um, you know, if let's say my uh, my little niece or so in ten years, if I ask her to uh, go out to lunch with me or anything like that, and she'll probably tell me, she'll probably text me that she doesn't want to go to that place because there's those people, weird people that come to your table and they talk to you. I mean, that's. That could be a little uh, surprising and hard to hear for us, but uh, it's pretty much the truth. So I don't know. We'll see. We'll have to adapt to these changes on uh, uh, being short staffed. Well, I, I, I mean, I, I hope that's not true. I mean, I, you know, I mean, I so much know. of 
so much of what we enjoy about restaurants is the interaction with exactly our friends and and the staff and the environment. Certainly. I was going to say I was going to circle back a little bit on that. I remember when Doubt and I first sat down. I mean, one of the things I first said, I was like, "This is going to be a full service restaurant, right?" And he was like, "Absolutely." And I just, you know, I thought that was was great, especially considering, you know, the timing with COVID and everyone being scared and, and things like that. But you know, that's to your point, Eric, is, is that is dining. That I think is what really, uh, that's what drives um, our industry is, is to, to come out and have a great experience, be taken care of. <laughs> and then, and then you have that, you have that memory. Or I remember the, the first thing, one of the first things uh, I learned from Monica a long time ago, she said, we're trying to create Easter, Thanksgiving, Christmas, all those things at the table every day. Right. And that's the experience. And I think that um, that will never go away. Uh, at least I hope it doesn't. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I get the kind of food robots for like a, a fast food kind of situation or, or doubt if you told me you were, you know, that's how you were expediting labor in the food hall. I, but, you know, at a restaurant like the Alba, I mean, I, you know, I want a certain level of service and a level of craft and attention to detail. Yeah, absolutely. I just, uh, you, the adjustments need to be made if necessary. I'm not sure. I hope not. I think there's so many neighborhood restaurants that kind of uh, maybe miss the mark. And uh, coming from the West Coast, um, there are tons of places on the West Coast that have a more kind of neighborhood, relaxed style vibe, but their food is still on point. And that is what I was really trying to shoot for with the Alba. And that is what I want to continue to do with the Alba is, is that kind of, uh, style, um, which Houston always seems to be about four or five years behind, uh, either coast. Yeah. Trends, trends tend to move inward, right? They, they started either, uh, on the West coast or the East coast and they, they make it, they make their way to us eventually. Um, well, Dad, I mean, I know you're only seven weeks into this, but you've had some challenges, but you've also found some success. I mean, do you do you start to think about like whether this concept might work in other neighborhoods? Potentially. Yeah, potentially. Absolutely. I know um, earlier I had mentioned, you know, of course, we put up a huge play area for the kids, but we expanded and made such a better use of, um, pardon me, I say expanded, but we shifted and made such a better use of the patio. And yeah, it's become hugely successful. But does that mean that we're only catering to kids? No. Um, You know, the seventh week in and you can swing by on Thursday night at 11 p.m. and you still have a bar crowd. So and that was the initial uh, concept. And what I wanted to keep in mind was always, always provide different zones and different atmospheres for having an all occasion place yes we're neighborhood friendly we're uh pet friendly we're uh, uh, child friendly but always have an uh, an alternate zone for that uh corporate luncheon or uh, someone wants to come in on a date and, and whatnot and we we've provided that we and we're seeing it jeff you talked about sort of seasonal menus obviously you're you both talked about brunch um I don't know. Like, what do you think the next like six months holds for, for Dialba? Uh, really for me, I just want to see us get dialed in. I want to see, um, I want to see, uh, 
our cooks being able to execute 100%. I want to see brunch getting executed 100%. Uh, I want to see Weber get in line. I just all the things. I want to. I would just want to. I want to dial Dialba in um, and uh, create you know a little more uh, more systems uh, possibly than we have in place. Um, is right now, uh, as Doubt said. I mean, like all the feedback has just been incredible. People have been so open and so complimentary to everything uh, that we've been doing, but I think ultimately we can do some. We can do better, and there's always a way to do better. Um, you know, we have the beautiful um, private room that was there, kind of left over from Liberty Kitchen. I want to see how we can get that booked. You know, every Friday, Saturday night, we have uh, all the open space in the back available for larger parties. But really, uh, like like Doubt said, is is brunch. Um, I think is a huge, and will be a huge part of uh, what we do, uh, and maybe in the future, even bringing on instead of doing lunch menu, maybe we do brunch seven days a week. Um, I don't know. You know, uh, I've tried that uh, unsuccessfully a few times, uh, but in a neighborhood where you have lots of people that are working from home. You have lots of uh, stay-at-home moms, stay-at-home dads uh, that might want to get out. Um, it might be a better viable option to do brunch seven days a week. I don't know. Um, you're, 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 you're giving me an arrhythmia here, Jeff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> throwing, throwing you a curveball in this. Oh, time, man. <laughs> seven days a week brunch. Hey, that, that could happen. I mean, people love eggs, right? Like, and the, you know, the food costs are good, right? On pancakes and toasted stuff. Pastries, you name it, right? Uh, elevated, elevated from uh, just your basic pancakes and toast. Now, uh, brunch, I'm very excited about. I mean, I, I've been looking forward to, um, and it, once we started operating, I, I knew brunch was going to be a big deal. I had no idea that it was going to be asked for so much and um i actually had to uh, kind of adjust my uh projections as far as what brunch you know that saturday and sunday brings in than initially i had uh, but yeah um going back to your original question as far as what holds for dialba six months down the line or is there any potential for replication or you know copy and pasting um absolutely got to find the right place in time. I think uh, the this entire existence of us is about timing, really. But this was a good timing for uh, this concept. If we find a similar setting for it, um, I, I definitely, I think it could be a, a huge hit. Absolutely. Well, gentlemen, I'm going to say that, that we're running a little bit long, and that does kind of bring me to the end of my questions. Is there uh, something you want to discuss that I haven't asked you about? No, um, no, just a huge excitement of, uh, you know, getting uh, Jeff on board full time and uh, becoming a, 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 well, a partner uh, with us. It, it, that's been the, the biggest excitement. And we ran, of course, we opened our uh, eyes and next thing we know, it's seven weeks in and we had planned on doing a meet the neighbors and of course having brunch and whatnot, but um, yeah, we, we just haven't had the focus to shift over and get all those done. Um, that's why we're 
pretty much bringing everything together on uh, uh, first weekend of December on the 5th. Um, you know, have a huge celebration, meet the neighbors. We've got tons of giveaways and of course, live music. And uh, that's our grand opening. We're uh, doing our grand opening with brunch. So maybe I am crazier than Jeff uh, trying to execute brunch <laughs> seven days a week. <laughs> no, you're not. So, but yeah. You can be crazy together. Yeah. Just in the go. time allotted, maybe. <laughs> but yeah, I appreciate you um, having us um, on, Eric. And, um, you know, I, I think what you've seen, what, um, the feedback and everything that has been, whether, you know, digital, online, social media and whatnot, but you also experienced it uh, firsthand, albeit um, at a limited capacity, I think, back then. But, yeah, blue, uh, please come on by once we uh, do get brunch up and uh, running. No, absolutely. All right. Well, before I let you go, we have to play the lightning round. All righty. Five easy questions, five short answers. Just say the first thing that comes to mind. Let's do it. Jeff Hunt, what is the first band you ever saw in concert? Blink-182. <laughs> Doubt, how about you? Dave Matthews Band. <laughs> Doubt, what is your fast food guilty pleasure? It has to come from a restaurant with a drive-thru. Um, all right. Canes, chicken. Damn, I haven't had canes in a couple of years. Jeff, how about you? Waterburger, baby. <laughs> Jeff, who is your favorite Houston sports figure, past or present? Oof. Uh, Jeremy Lynn. Doubt, how about you? Oh, Elijah one. Doubt, what is the the new restaurant you're dying to try, but you're too busy to go to? Hey, we did it the other day. Actually, we went and uh, had a meal at Blue Doring. That's a good answer. Jeff, how about you? Uh, Rosie Can Cannonball. I haven't been there yet. I want to go. Uh, and then finally, when you go to a pizzeria for the first time, what are your go-to toppings? Doubt you first. Mushrooms, jalapenos. Boom. That's it. No more, no less. <laughs> Jeff? Olives and pepperoni. All right. Doubt, give me the, the website and the social media for Dialba. All right. So, yeah, the website is www.dialbahtx.com. Uh, uh, same for the social media. You can follow us on Instagram at dialbahtx. Um, yeah. All right. Gentlemen, thank you very much. All right. I appreciate it. Thank you, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Looking to see you for brunch. Thank you. You can follow me on Instagram at Eric Sandler. Keep it locked on culturemap.com for all the latest Houston bar and restaurant news. Thanks so much for listening. I'll be back next week.